Hey there, fight fans. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe this episode of Combat Sports Talk. Welcome to Combat Sports Talk, a podcast dedicated to UFC and Bellator discussion, the MMA community, and combat sports in general. I'm your host, Ryan Smith, and joining me this week is El Papi Wancho. <laughs> oh, we going there tonight, huh? El I'm, Papi I'm calling, Wancho. I'm calling Cindy on you. <laughs> no, don't do that. You don't need to call Cindy. Like, don't even yeah. mention her name. We're not even talking mm. about Cindy. Like, me and Cindy have finally... We made, you know, we, 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 we buried the hatchet. We, we made up whatever you want to call it. We are cool with each other. Like, I, How's it pronounced again? El Papi what? El Papi Wancho. El Papi Wancho. El right. Papi Wancho. So th- there um, you are. There you are, George G. Money Stallworth, El Papi Wancho. Mm. So how are I'm going to own it. I'm, I might have to walk out to that name or something. There you go. Well, I, you know, I still like G. Money. You know what? I don't know if you, we've ever recorded on the show how you got the name G Money. I don't know. Um, first time I remember it was a friend of mine gave it a name. Um, I don't. I don't even know if the uh, the parts of the story that I'm talking about are show friendly. Which okay. I was going to say. <laughs> well, we'll just move on then. <laughs> 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 we'll have to record the story of G, the origin story of G Money, in the after hours sec- session of the show. Mm. But the, it basically boils down to um, he always talked about I always kept some cash on me for whatever reason in the end. But mm-hmm. that was it. So okay. it was always G Money. Well, you know what? Based on what I know about you and that little bit of story, I now know how G Money came to be. But uh, <laughs> but but since since we're talking about G Money, you have some amazing news. So let's start the show off yes. with your amazing news. Give it to us. What is going on in the life of G Money? Man, life is going good. You know, I, I, I guess I've been probably a little bit down because I was scheduled for a fight. Um, the guy who I was originally going to fight um, apparently wasn't able to fight. Um, got rescheduled for another fight with another guy. And then I was told that that fight wasn't going to happen. But now apparently, um, that second individual has, has decided, Hey, let's get it on. So it's rock and roll, baby. I'm excited. I'm very excited. Got the news today. I think you remember how depressed and how down I was, man. When you, when, when that bubble gets burst like that and you're expecting a fight and it gets pulled from underneath you, it sucks. Uh, So, yeah. All right. So what what we're looking at is we're looking at end of October, right? Yep. October uh, Halloween. Uh, actually, I think it's the October 30th. I need to go back and check the date. They, they, they've switched the date once or twice on this event, but it's either the 29th or the 30th. Right. Well, we should, will be rooting you on uh, more details to come for those of you who are following the show. So we will keep you informed about when and where you can see George G. Money Stallworth, a.k.a. El Papi Wanchu. Dude, I'm thinking about uh, somehow including uh, intelligent defense on my walkout shirt. Um, oh, I don't know what I mean. Yeah. Okay. 
That's what you don't see. I'm repping in that. You don't see. I'm repping. I I see you repping it. You got the intelligent defense. You know, I still right here. Look at this. Look at this. I'm gonna lower it down so you can see it. Boom. Right there. Let me tell you, this one used to be a little tight on me. It's a little loose now. You notice? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I I do notice. You 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 cut so much weight getting ready for your fight that you know now. What you were telling me before is that you this is now kind of your walk around. So. Yeah, I've been walking this around been, about yeah. 185. T- right now, tonight, I just weighed in maybe 10 minutes ago. I was 182 pounds. There you go. There you go. So, like, I'm basically, I'm 12 pounds away from weight. I've never fought at 170 before. That's probably, you know, I, I always thought that would be such a hard stretch. But, um, you know, knock on wood, this has been, been a pretty good weight cut, man. I, I didn't have to cut any weight. This has been a pretty good nutrition program to get me down to the weight I want to be. I'm walking around at 182. I feel strong. I'm a little light. You know, from time to time, I get a little chilly. I think you've noticed that. Yeah. I'm missing a little body fat around certain parts. That's but right. I'm fast. I'm still strong at this weight right now. I'm 12 pounds away. Uh, I'm, I'm not even going to have to cut weight. So uh, I'm feeling good about it, man. So, But this is all we're going to say because we know that if we talk too much about how you're progressing and how you're leveling up, fighters be wanting to quit on you. So we don't want anybody to quit on you. We don't want anybody to run away. We don't want anybody See, to be like. I might have to give you and John credit because I noticed after y'all talked so much uh, noise last week, all of a sudden the fight was on. So maybe that was it. <laughs> well, hey, you know what? If you need a hype man, I think John Keys and Ryan Smith can do that. And by the way, if anybody needs a hype man, if you need help talking smack on Twitter, and we're going to get there in a minute. Then call Combat Sports Talk. We got you. We, we're going to turn this from a, from a <laughs> oh, podcast I'm, I'm to a PR agency. I'm definitely interested in seeing what you would do as John Jones right now. Oh, <laughs> how dude, you would handle this man? But <laughs> <laughs> man, it's going to be rough with John Jones. How do you? How do you <laughs> let's get into it. The, the first thing we got to do, you know. So the first thing we got to do is we got to talk about UFC 266 Volkanovski versus Ortega. This is the official decision. This is the official decision. This is where we look at the fights on Saturday night, and it was UFC 266 Volkanovski versus Ortega Saturday, September 25th at the T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas, Nevada. There were five fights on the main card, and you know what? I need to take a closer look. <laughs> so I'm gonna pull yeah, out. come on. Let's, let's say it. Let's say it. Pull out the card. I'm, I'm, pulling, I'm pulling out the, uh, the, 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 the glasses because I want to make sure this yeah, hindsight. I, I'm, I'm, go- I'm going with you right now. There it is. There it is. Oh, hindsight. You look, so much, you look so much clearer. All of us. Oh, man. Wow. Yeah. Look at you. Oh, coming this in. This is like in HD I'm seeing stereo. you in HD. Yes, absolutely. Oh, my goodness. So, so right, here's, here's the deal. Here's the deal. You know what? Sometimes, and it is upon rare occasions, that hindsight and foresight can be 2020. That's right. Ryan Smith was. Absolutely. Perfect. That's right. I was perfect. <laughs> perfect. I was perfect at my picks this week. Jessica Andrade versus Cynthia Calvillo. Jessica Andrade defeated Calvillo by TKO at 454 in round number one. She just broke her down. I'm telling you. Like, Calvillo came out throwing some great punches, staying pretty active, getting on the, on the bicycle and, and, and kind of moving around. But it was a matter of time before Jessica Andrade just locked her down. 
got her on the ground and just beat her. And by the time it was over, you could tell that Jessica Andrade had broken Calvillo's spirit. Nothing to say about Calvillo being, you know, not being a great fighter. She's an awesome fighter. But Jessica Andrade is ranked number one for a reason, and she showed it on Saturday. Now, go ahead. No, nothing to say. All right. So Curtis Blades versus Jarzinho <laughs> Rosenstruck. Now, for now, me. Now I might have something to say. Now, now, let me just say like this. Rosenstruck, everybody was on Rosenstruck. And, and, and there's a reason. I, I totally get it. Like, this dude is huge. He's got some highlight knockouts. He's just a, a, a guy with just bad intentions. And Curtis Blades, even though he's ranked like number three at heavyweight, he is still kind of one of those guys that people feel like is too inconsistent. He doesn't win the big fight. And and so even if you go back to last week's show, I was hemming and hawing about whether or not I was going to stay with Curtis Blades for this fight. And guess what? I decided to go with Curtis Blades. And guess what? He won by he unanimous decision. He, yeah, he basically, he took some big blows in the first and second round. His eyes swole shut in the third round. And so it was very questionable as to whether or not, one, if the doctors were going to come in and try to stop this fight, or two, if he was going to not be able to see a big shot coming from Rosenstruck and, and, and get knocked out. So Blades did the right thing. Even though the crowd was booing, even though the crowd was upset at the slow pace of this heavyweight fight, Especially given the fact that Jessica Andrade and Cynthia Calvillo was a barn burner, um, the the there was a fight in the feature fight, last fight of the prelim card. Um, it was Marlon Mohes versus um, versus Marab Divishvili. Uh, that fight was a barn burner as well. Um, and so you get these two awesome fights lined up back to back, and then you slow it down with these heavyweights. You're expecting like a first round knockout. Curtis Blades gutted it out. Couldn't see out of his right eye. But he was able to finish the fight on top of uh, Rosenstruck and got the, the unanimous decision, 30-27, on all cards. Did he get booed for that decision? Uh, no, I, he didn't get booed for the decision. He got booed for the performance. Because the fight you was... You know, Cur- Curtis is starting to remind me of like a heavyweight Tyron Woodley. He's like... So. You, you get what I mean, just some of the dynamics of his career so far, like... Given what he's accomplished and, and, and who he is, you know, the respect level for him just isn't quite what you would think it would be. Well, you know, I think that the one difference between Tyron Woodley, which the outcome is still the same, but Ty- Tyron Woodley had some, just some, <coughs> some awesome knockouts. I mean, that knockout of Robbie Lawler, that knockout of, uh, uh, what's his name? Fought against uh, George St. Darren Peter. Teal. Well, the knockout of Darren Till, but I'm thinking the other knockout where he fought uh, the guy everybody loved to hate, Josh Koscheck. There we go. Uh, the oh. knockout of Josh Koscheck was, you know, he had these big knockouts and they still didn't respect it. Curtis Blades doesn't have. He's got maybe one good hi- highlight finish, but the rest of them are just like big, big takedowns and, and things like that. Ground and pound. Curtis Blades really needs to get more of these quality wins. I think Rosenstruck is a quality win, but you need to get more quality wins. And unfortunately, he's lost fights to some of the bigger names. So what are you going to do when you've already lost in God? What do you do when you lost to Derek Lewis? Who are you going to fight? You know, you're not, you're not going to get a fight with Zero Gone. It's just, it's, you're going to have to hope that, that, that uh, Zero Gone gets finished by, by, uh, by Francis Ngannou so you can get 
another quality name that puts you in that position. He's well positioned at number three in the ro- in, on the roster, but at the end of the day, nobody's calling for Curtis Blades to, to fight for the title. Mm. Well, you got that one right, player. I got that one yeah, right. Look. But you know what? I got them all right. So, you know, we'll just keep going with that. I might I need to need to make a, a drop out of that. You got that right, player. I sure did. Mm. <laughs> you know why? Because That's what I do. That's what I do. <laughs> all right. All right. Nick Diaz returns after six years off. Nick Diaz has not fought in six years. They decided to run it back with Robbie Lawler. You know, the thing is, is that when this fight between Robbie Lawler and Rob, uh, and Nick Diaz, their first fight, I think they were saying like 17 years in the making, some, some double-digit years ago when Nick Diaz and Robbie Lawler fought. Robbie Lawler at that time was a great fighter, but he wasn't a seasoned veteran. Mm. And so what happened was Robbie Lawler got cut from the UFC. He went, found his way back, and that's when the career and the Robbie Lawler that we know today was born, right? Mm-hmm. Nick Diaz, on the other hand, it's, it's, I think it's fair to say, and maybe if John was here, he would dispute it. Nick Diaz is still in the, in the early 2000s, you know, early 2015, you know, 2000 teens or whatever. He's fighting GSP. He was fighting the, some of these other guys. I don't know that Nick Diaz's, his, his fighting style has evolved. And to be gone for six years, that's an eternity in, in the mixed martial arts game, especially as fast as it's evolving now. And so when Nick I, Diaz and Robbie Lawler got into the ring, whew, it was... So it, how, how well did Nick do or not do? So Nick Diaz landed some good punches. I mean, he was, he was accurate. Let's say it that way. But in the accuracy, he was still slow. Robbie Lawler mm-hmm. started with a pace... And it, he was just touching up Nick Diaz. And it, as aggressive as Robbie Lawler was, um, he left himself open. And Nick Diaz is super accurate. So he landed some some big punches, especially in the first round. But at the end of the day, Robbie Lawler just kind of walked through. And you know, the Diaz mm-hmm. brothers aren't always known for their power, right? So you know, they tend to tend to get you by gassing you out. And then they, they, they beat you with a, with, you know, with a thousand paper cuts, right? Um, right. And, and it just wasn't what Robbie Lawler was, was afraid of. So he was coming forward, putting the pressure on Nick Diaz. First and second rounds was, was, was really mostly Robbie Lawler. There were some good strikes. I'm not going to say that Nick Diaz didn't do anything, but he just looked slow. Okay. And then in the, in the third round, 44 seconds in, uh, it looked like Robbie Lawler caught him right on the nose. Looks like he broke his nose, caught him with another shot. Nick Diaz goes down, and when the, when the ref comes in to say, Hey, you need to stand up. Robbie Lawler was like, I'm beating you on the feet. I'm not going down to the ground. I'm not crazy. I know you got crazy jujitsu. I'm not getting it. And so when the when the ref tells Nick Diaz to stand up, he's like, nah, I'm good. And that was the fight. <laughs> uh, so he, 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 pulled, he pulled a move like back when he fought Anderson Silva. He just laid yeah. on the ground. Just laid on the ground. <laughs> the only difference is, is that he got up after he laid on the ground. With, against Robbie Lawler, he was just he was just like, nah, I'm good, and and they called the fight, and he went back to his corner. They he they gave him a towel for his nose, and he just sat there and nursed his nose for the, for the whole time. And you know, it I could say that Nick Diaz, it, it's cool because he was super chill about the fight. He's like, you know, I don't even know how this fight came to be. 
He's like, but I want to thank everyone for supporting me and things like that. And you're thinking, okay, Nick Diaz is going to retire right here, but nope, he didn't. So, um, so we'll see what happens with Nick Diaz. I, at the end of the day, I don't think that there's too many fights out there for him, um, especially how he looked against Robbie Lawler. As and and, and I think the same may be true for Robbie Lawler as well. Like, who who are is Robbie Lawler going to fight? Because the welterweight division has kind of moved on, and I just don't see him. I don't even though this fight was at middleweight, I don't see him really vying for a title shot. You think that he could take Kamaru Usman, Colby no. Covington, like? No. Gilbert Burns? <laughs> no, but I do think there should have been a call out at the end of this fight. No, there was no call. There should have been. Who do you think he should have called out? I think Nick Diaz should have called out Logan Paul. You know, everybody's chasing Logan Paul or Jake Paul. Everybody's chasing this, this would This would have been a perfect time to call him out. Though. This would have been reminiscent of when his brother called out Conor McGregor. Yeah, yeah, and maybe they would have made it happen, but it always helps to call someone out on the when you win, when you win, yeah, as opposed to when you lose. And speaking of someone winning, uh, UFC women's flyweight champion Valentina Shevchenko, uh, you know, we don't need. I I don't think we needed any kind of breakdown to know that Valentina Shevchenko was going to do what she did to Lauren. Like you know, I, 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 I. I, I can't even imagine that Lauren Murphy looked at herself in the mirror and said, when I come back from this fight, I am going to be the champ. Like, there has to be, and, and I'm, I, I, I don't mean to be mean about this, but at the end of the day, it's like Valentina Shevchenko is such a high-level fighter that Lauren Murphy, who is kind of that blue-collar worker who fought her way up and deserved every right to be in the octagon with Valentina Shevchenko. Like, she earned that title shot. No one's going to ever take that away from her. That she was the rightful person to fight for that title. There was no way she was going to You mm-hmm. know, that, that, that would, you know, that, it, it's, Valentina Shevchenko just, just took, started from the beginning. And it was like, it was funny because with me watching it, it was like Valentina Shevchenko was like, okay, I'm going to see what you know. So I'm going to start at level one, and we're going to just go to level one, okay? Now I'm going <laughs> to level two. Okay, Is that what now. she did? Yeah, and, and so by the, you know, I didn't think she, I didn't think Lauren Murphy was going to make it out of just the first three rounds. I, I sent a note to John Key saying that, that Lauren Murphy wa- wasn't going to make it to championship rounds, and she did. Um, yeah. and, and, and so, and, and so she, she made it to the championship rounds, but but by the by the time it was over, I mean it just I, I, I think Valentina was like, Le- okay, this is level five of of ten levels and you can't hold it. You can't handle it. And in the post fight press conference, she's like, Yeah, by the time I got to round four, I figured I would just pick up the pace a little bit. And, you know, that that was all that was all she wrote. So Valentina Shevchenko, you know, exerted her dominance again. And Lauren Murphy, you know, you, that's a great story for you to tell your grandkids someday. Hey, I fought the greatest female fighter in the world and got beat just are like you, everybody else before me. Are you trying to rile up Amanda Nunes by calling her the greatest female fighter in the world? Well, you know, here's the thing. It, based on what would Amanda Nunes be declared the greatest female fighter in the world? Yes, she's. So she. Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> well, you know, this is the this is the challenge. This is the challenge of of doing the show uh, at night. I got I got uh, I got um, notifications coming from my my Echo Dot. But um, here's the thing: <laughs> is yes, Amanda Nunes has wins over Valentina Shevchenko, but in her own right. There, I don't think that there's anyone who has been as dominant as Valentina Shevchenko in her weight class. Like, Amanda Nunes is close, but now when you start looking at how do you measure greatness, how do you measure greatness for, for female fighters? And the fact is, is that now Valentina Shevchenko and Amanda Nunes both have six title defenses. They're, they're tied with Ronda Rousey. So Ronda Rousey, Amanda Nunes, and Valentina Shevchenko all have six title defenses. So, Amanda Nunes, where you at? You need to start fight. You got to fight soon. She's got a fight coming up. She's got to win that fight. I think she will because Amanda Nunes is great. But now we've got a rivalry. And I think that what we'll see is we'll see Amanda Nunes and Valentina Shevchenko run it back for a trilogy. Let's say late 2022 into 2020. Who, who would your money be on? You know, I think it, I think it's going to be. I, I, it's. I'm. I'm gonna put my because of what I've just finished saying. I'm gonna put my money on Valentina Shevchenko. Um, wow! All right, all right. Because I think that Amanda Nunes, um, you know, this is this is this is a, a young person's sport, and I think Valentina Shevchenko is younger than than Amanda Nunes. And if you if you get that trilogy in 2023, Valentina Shevchenko will be getting to that point in her career. Well, she'll be wanting to move up in weight anyway. She talked about this in the post-fight press conference where she was like, 125 is my perfect weight. I don't have any, I don't have to cut weight too much. I can still eat and I still feel powerful in 125. She goes, 135 is, uh, is not a rush for me. She goes, but as people start getting to the end of their career, it becomes harder and harder to make these lighter weights. So it's natural that I would move up to 135 later in my career. So, so it's very possible that that move up to 135 will be a permanent move. And when they do that, that may be near the end of Amanda Nunez's career. We could see Valentina Shevchenko beat Amanda Nunez at 135 <coughs> and Amanda Nunez continues at 145 and just holds that belt forever. I, I like where you hit it with that. Um, I would counter that, you know, there's a high rate of in trilogy, trilogy fights. The person who wins the second fight tends to win the third. Yeah, well, that, that, then, then, you know, then my call would, would, would definitely dispute that because the second fight went to, uh, to Amanda Nunes as well. Now, it was, yeah. it was a close decision. Uh, like Amanda Nunes didn't just whoop her. Um, so, I, I, I wasn't trying to argue the point with you. I was just, you know, putting. I was pull, pulling out a John Keys fact. That's all okay. that was. You didn't. No, have, no. You didn't have to get offended, Ryan Smith. Listen, you didn't have to take issue with it. Hey, <laughs> I, you know, um, uh, Valentina Shevchenko. Uh, apparently, apparently, I am hardcore on that hype train. Apparently. So, so I, I guess you know. I gotta send a shout out to Joanna Young Jacek. I think you just got replaced, girl. I'm sorry. Wow. But <laughs> you see, John John didn't like that reference to him too much. Yeah, you know. So uh yeah, so John Keys is in the audience tonight. 
I, I, I think he's not feeling well, and that's why he's not joining us on the show. But, you know, I hope you get better. I hope you feel better. Yeah, send your, quote, send your quotes and comments to us. We'll, we'll get you on, get them on the show. Um, but, yeah, Valentina Shevchenko is she's the real deal. You know, the, the, one of the, the nice thing about being on the hype train for Yoeli and Jacek is the fact that, it, you know, there's a lot of seating. There's not a lot of seating. It's, it's, it's standing room only on this hype train for Valentina Shevchenko. Yeah. Mm, I'm, right. not, I'm not okay. I'm not being uh I'm not being unique in in my um in my support of Valentina Shevchenko. Everybody is is on did, I was going to say did that support extend to her sister uh, a couple of weeks ago when she fought or was mm. it a couple of months uh, ago? No, no, her her sister is actually getting ready to fight again in a couple of, either either next week or in 2 weeks. Uh so Valentina Shevchenko also said that she is now in camp, you know, she's going straight from the octagon to camp with her sister. No, it does not extend to the sister. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, uh, <laughs> Valentina Shevchenko's ch- sister, we've talked about this before. You know, this is like twins where Valentina Shevchenko got all the Arnold Schwarzenegger genes and, <laughs> and her sister got the Danny DeVito. Like, <laughs> what was the name of that movie? Yeah, twins, wasn't it? Twins. Okay. Yeah. So, so, you know. Uh, and, and it made it, you know we have a we have a mutual friend Johnny Hearns. It made Johnny mad when I'm like, like like going off on Valentina Valentina's sister Antonina. But you know it's just the performance, the the, the outcome the, uh, of of her fights versus Valentina, where Valentina's almost untouchable. You know Antonina dropped one to my girl Roxanne Mont- Montaferri, and Roxanne as as much as everybody loves Roxanne Montaferri, she's not an apex predator when it comes to MMA. Right. She so. she's probably your favorite female fighter after Valentina now, Angie Overkill Hill. It's gotta yeah. be Roxanne Modafair. I yeah. I actually saw a picture of her in uh her boo the other day. I thought you'd get jealous if you saw it. You know, it I listen, I unfortunately I can't uh you know, I, I there's nothing I could do to uh you know, to to forward that any any kind of, you know, progress on that. By the way, I don't I don't know that that she and I would have, I would have to really up my anime game, uh, to really have a, a meaningful conversation with Roxanne Monteferi. Um, mm. but I did, I did send a note to her to say, Hey, rather than interviewing yourself for UFC 266, how about you let Combat Sports Talk interview? Like, mm-hmm. I, I would love to interview her, you know? Um, she seems like a super cool, nice person. Um, and you know she's a happy warrior, right? Uh, I would love to give her some some of our our airtime and just let people get to know who she is a little bit better. She's she's super super chill like that. All right, let's get to the main event of the evening. The main event of the evening was UFC featherweight champion Alexander Volkanovsky facing off against Brian T. City Ortega. I'm looking at this, and John Keys and George Stallworth both picked Brian Ortega to win. Uh, unfortunately. Why you gotta bring up old stuff, Ryan? Why, because why you gotta I gotta, bring up old? I gotta feed some crow. Why, why I, you gotta look? I'm over here. I gotta my lips a little dry. You know, I gotta take care of that. Yeah, well, why you gotta bring up old stuff, Ryan? Hey, I just want to make sure that you know that you need to get your knife and fork ready. Mm. Alexander Volkanovs went in there against Brian T. City Ortega, and and. I'm going to be honest with you. He put on a show. He destroyed he it. Put on a show. First round, it was it was a lot like the Max Holloway fight where 
Ryan T. City Ortega was, uh, yeah, let me, let me go ahead and get John's comment on here just so that we can make sure that all of y'all are present while I, while I l- enjoy this victory. Um, so, so Brian T. City Ortega looked great. I mean, his striking is much improved. Definitely landed some big shots on, on Alexander Volkanovsky, cut him under the eye in the first round. They were having to nurse that. Um, but let me just tell you, it was one of those things where Volkanovsky was m- mixing it up a lot like he did with Max Holloway, throwing the jab, throwing the leg kicks, and really keeping that top high-low kind of striking going. So he won for the first round. In the second round, um, I think it was the second round, like late in the second round or early in the third round, they had an accidental collision of heads where Volkanovsky ends up colliding with with um, uh, Brian Ortega, hit him right in the nose, possibly broke his neck. But it definitely changed the complexion of the fight. It was accidental. That was something that, um, you know, it wasn't intentional, but it did have an impact on the fight. So for those T-City Ortega fans out there, yes, I'm acknowledging the collision of heads. Um, but um, but the, the thing is, is that round three was was the kicker because Volkanovsky had clearly won the first two rounds. Round three is coming up. Of course, they're both starting to look a little bit worn uh, on, on this fight. And, and so what ended up happening is Brian T. City Ortega throws a punch and goes for a takedown at the same time. As, as, uh, as Volkanovsky goes to the ground, Brian Ortega jumps on him with a mounted guillotine. The, 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 the commentators were like, that's it. It's in deep. This is going to be over. And you see, you see freaking, uh, Alexander Volkanovsky just bucking and kicking as hard as he can to try to get out of it. His face is turning red. He has, uh, Ortega has it locked just deep, deep locked. And you're like, Oh my gosh, this is over. And I'm like, head in my hands. I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is not gonna, this is not happening. And then all of a sudden, Alexander Volkanovsky pops out. <laughs> he pops out. But it's not over because Brian T. Studio Ortega, when you get to fight on the ground, this is his domain. So what ends up happening is, is that right as, as, as Volkanovsky pops out, he reverses, postures up, and starts raining bombs. And it, it, he is fighting with a sense of urgency that I have not seen Volkanovsky fight. Because he was winning the first two rounds, but that choke was in so deep, it is possible that they were going to give that round to Ortega. But but freaking Volkanovski starts standing up and just Hulk smashing um, Brian Ortega, and they're like, "Hey, watch out, watch out!" He, you know, uh, Volkanovski, he's he's standing in the pocket, he's standing, posturing up, he, he's going to end up getting thrown on a triangle. And sure enough, you see Brian Ortega's legs lock on 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 Volkanovski and. And Ortega grabs his head, pulls it down, and they're like, "This is his. This is his move. This could be over. This could be over." And you see, you you see Volkanovski, and this is all in the third round. Volkanovski is like struggling to get out, and then he pops out again, and he finishes the round standing on top, raining elbows and punches, and just smashing Ryan Ortega to bits in the third round. Whenever it was over. Volkanovski walks away and Brian Ortega is laying on the ground motionless. 
Mm. Now, here's, here's where the controversy is. The controversy is, is that he did not get up under his own power to go back to the stool. His team comes in to the ring between rounds. They pick him up off the ground. They hold him and then they put the stool down and then they move him over to the stool. And that is illegal. You cannot pick the fighter up if he is on the ground. And so as exhausted as he was, as beaten as he was, he should have been, it should have been called a, a, a TKO right there. John Keese is, is confirming it. It should have been called a TKO, but his team got pulled and picked him up, put him on the stool. They started rejuvenating him. And because he had taken so much damage, Herb Dean brought in the, the ringside physician and they started assessing, um, Brian Ortega. So instead of getting a, a, a one minute of recovery time, Brian Ortega got closer to two minutes of recovery time. <clears throat> and as round four started, Alexander Volkanovsky was like, what is going on here? And so he rushes over to try to finish Brian Ortega. And Brian Ortega's like, nope, I'm back. And Brian Ortega starts fighting the fight of his life. Now, definitely it wasn't enough. Because it was 49, 46, 45, uh, 50, 45, and 50, 44. Like, they gave Brian Ortega one round, and maybe that was round number four. I think it was probably round number five. But Brian Ortega would not go down. So John Keyes probably is like, well, you know, that's that Gracie mentality for you. But Brian Ortega, even though he was beaten from pillar to post in the third round, would not give up, kept fighting. And by the time the final horn blew, the dude was still standing on his feet. He was still he was still there, and so dude, this this sounds like that beating he took from Max Holloway. It was very much like that beating from Max Holloway. The only difference is, by the time Max Holloway was done with Brian Ortega, Brian Ortega looked like a zombie, and not like the good kind of zombie, like Korean zombie. Like this dude was <clears throat> barely moving to hit. Like he needed help to find where he needed to go. In this one, Brian Ortega looked like he'd been in a fight, but he was definitely coherent. He was definitely, uh, you know, had all his faculties about him. And that, I think, shows the evolution of Brian Ortega um, in this fight. He has gotten better. He has gotten a lot better. And so it'll be interesting to see if they don't do a Brian Ortega versus the winner of Max Holloway and Yair Rodriguez or if they're just going to give Rodriguez the uh, Yair Rodriguez the uh, the title shot, the next title shot. So um, we'll see because we've got Max Holloway, Yair Rodriguez coming up very soon. All right, so let's go ahead and close the book on this one and put this card on the shelf because this card is history. Now let's go into the headlines that are making waves in the UFC world with Finding the Aim. All right, this is Finding the Angles. This is where we look at the headlines that are making waves in the MMA world. This was the culmination of this was the culmination of the International Fight Week. And I'm going to pause the headlines just for a moment because I want to give a shout out to uh, Bruce Bob Trotter who's sending the messages. But it looks like you are just a little bit behind. But I'm going to let you. I'm going to get this one on. Um, 
Paper Champ Volk still hasn't truly beaten Max. Not convincingly. Needs to do that rematch again. It, it is likely that they are going to do the rematch, rematch, <laughs> rematch <laughs> with Max Holloway. Because I think Max Holloway will probably get past Yair Rodriguez. I think that when you talk to Alexander Volkanovsky in the post-fight press conference, he acknowledged the fact that he expected Max Holloway to win that fight. Um, and if so, that they were going to set up the trilogy. So it's coming. Um, it's just one of those things where um, <coughs> Max has to get rid of Pantera first. The, cha- the thing that I would have to say with you, with what you're saying here, though, is that once you get to this level where you've got someone like Max, who was one of the greatest featherweights ever, and you've got Volkanovski, who's trying to be one of the greatest featherweights ever, you're not going to get a dominant performance victory. It's always going to be close. It's going to be a fight where you're going to look at one round or one punch or one kick that's going to tip the scales in the favor of one or the other. And I think that's the way it should be, is when you get two apex predators in the ring, that fight should not end in just a blowout. It should be very close. It should, it, it should require the judges to be great at what they do. And unfortunately, we know that we should never leave it in the hands of the judges because the judges can be trusted. <laughs> they can't be trusted in MMA, but that is the hallmark of two great fighters like Max Holloway and Volkanovski coming into the ring for a third time to fight. I don't think you're going to see, uh, uh, I don't think you're going to see a dis- decisive victory between those two guys. Their skill sets are just too close. Anything you got to say on that, George? No, you you capped everything up. All right. So uh, let's talk about uh, International Fight Week. This was the UFC 266 was kind of the crown jewel of International Fight Week. Of course, we usually expect it to be in the July time frame, right around 4th of July here in the United States. Um, but because of COVID and all the restrictions and things like that, it's, it makes sense that they moved it to later in the year. Uh, one of the big things that happened at, at International Fight Week this year is the fact that there were some new Hall of Fame inductees. George St. Pierre was inducted into the Hall of Fame, uh, as well as John Jones for his fight with Alexander Gustafson, which is arguably one of the greatest UFC fights in the history of the promotion. It was a very good fight, man. <clears throat> Absolutely. So also, uh, Kelvin, Ke- oh, go ahead. I was going to say, which fight was it where he broke his toe and they didn't see it until after the fight? Was that the good? That was Chael Or was Sonnet. that Chael Sonnen? Okay. Chael Sonnen. Because the, the crazy thing about that is that had they seen um, the broken toe, the they broken might toe. have stopped the fight and Chael Sonnen would have been crowned the light heavyweight champion um, mm-hmm. by virtue of a broken toe. But John Jones was able to get him out in the first round. And because he finished him before the end of the first round, uh, he was able to get treatment on his broken toe. Uh, I remember that because that was gross. <laughs> um, joining George St. Pierre in the, in, the, in the UFC Hall of Fame was uh, Kevin Randleman um, and then uh, Vice President of Regulatory Affairs, Mark Ratner, um, uh, you know, uh, who was credited with getting the UFC, um, getting the UFC instated in the United States and many other countries. Uh, hey, Bruce, I need you to go and check your facts, buddy. Uh, John Jones absolutely did fight Chael Sonnen, um, and the broken toe incident was was Chael. Um, and so uh, the, uh, the thing is, is that George St. Pierre, we knew was a lot. Um, 
John Jones said he was actually surprised when he found out that uh, his fight with Alexander Gustafson was going to go into the greatest fights of of all time Hall of Fame alongside the likes of Clay Guida and and Diego Sanchez. Um, you know. <laughs> So, <laughs> so uh, as our I mean, grandmothers would say, if you ain't got nothing good to say, <laughs> <laughs> well, um, we also got to see uh, Kevin Randleman get uh, posthumously, um, 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 uh, posthumously inducted into the UFC Hall of Fame. He, uh, of course, was a former UFC heavyweight champion um, and had uh, some iconic moments in Pride course um he had a big win over Merkel Krokop um and even though he lost to Fedor Emelianenko he did suplex the hell out of the last um mm. um his, his former UFC heavyweight Mark Champ, uh, champion Mark Coleman uh inducted his friend uh because they had both wrestled at Ohio State so it was a great event overall uh, like i said Mark Ratner was uh part of the Nevada State Athletic Commission and he regulated, um, he regulated some huge wrestling bouts and then was hired by the UFC to help them get reinstated into, um, in, into, you know, all the other states that were not sanctioning MMA. The biggest one, of course, was New York City, which Mark Ratner was, was, was a part of that. And, um, and it was a good night overall. So congratulations to all of those people who, uh, who became, uh, Hall of Famers in the UFC. Now, you know that the only reason why I'm bringing, bringing this up is because in that same night, John Jones was arrested on misdemeanor domestic violence charges in Las Vegas. <laughs> Dude, I, I am so, I don't even know where to begin with this. How do you do that? Do you know any details? Like, I hadn't, I hadn't heard what happened. We don't know what happened. That's the thing we don't know. All we know oh. is that John Jones was arrested at 5.45 a.m. Um, Where's Ariel Hawani when you need him? You know, <laughs> the nose knows, right? Um, and so he, he basically the charge was the misdemeanor battery, domestic violence, and injuring or tampering with a vehicle, which is a felony. Mm. Um, and so basically that's all we know right now. We don't know. What ha- what happened? We don't know who was involved other than John Jones. Of course, we think that maybe his wife or um, you know his significant other was involved as well. But you know, I, I don't think that if if you're in Vegas and there's a domestic va- battery charge and 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 attacking a, a vehicle at five forty five in the morning, I I'm thinking there has to be alcohol or other substances involved. You don't just get mad. And be like I'm at, at, at five o'clock in the morning. In the morning. <laughs> no, <laughs> there's only two you things, know, I, two circumstances. You either haven't gone to bed yet and it's five forty-five, or you just woke up and it's time to train. Uh, all the memes I've been seeing have basically said John Jones doing John Jones ish. <laughs> is it this, i smell a title fight on the horizon <laughs> yeah i just I, I you know i think dana white says it said it best you know um he goes it's hard to bring this guy to las vegas for any reason he says this city is not good for john jones 
And here we go again. He says, it's not shocking anymore. When we bring him here, it's almost expected. We can't even get him to Las Vegas for less than 12 hours and induct him into the Hall of Fame. It's a problem. This guy's got a lot of demons. A lot of demons. What else has he done in Vegas? You know, I I think that's a great question. Well, I mean, I don't have I don't have I don't have the his his rap sheet. Um, I don't have John Jones's rap sheet in front of me because maybe he hasn't done a lot in Vegas, but he still has done a lot. So no question maybe there. Maybe I just wonder why Vegas. Dana brought up yeah the whole bringing him to Vegas thing. Like you know, you, sometimes you have to watch these promoters, man. They they, they say some things and there, there's some cues behind what they're saying. I don't. He knows way more about John Jones than we ever will. You know what I mean? Yeah. So he he's privy to whatever's going on in Vegas that we don't know about. Maybe maybe there's stuff that John Jones did that that never you know that wasn't maybe, yeah. um, you know that was covered up if you will. The, the, oh, rest assured, the, dude, you don't get caught the first time you do wrong. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> you practice it many many times before, right? So, so, but, but I think it's a fair point to say we don't know how many times John Jones has gotten in trouble in Vegas. We know he's gotten in trouble other places, but I do think that it is. It, I, I do think that it is telling that that Jay, Dana White said we can't even get him to Vegas for less than twelve hours and induct him into the Hall of Fame. Like, like that's why he was in Vegas was to be inducted into the Hall of Fame. This thing happened on Friday. And he was being inducted like later that day or on Saturday, something like that. Like, be good for a little while, please. Um, so we'll have to see what happens. Of course, we're gonna. There's gonna be a police report filed. We're gonna see what happens once once everything. They're not gonna be able to, to keep this thing locked down forever. And Ariel Hawani does exist in this world, so he will find. Um, so you know, it's it's kind of one of those things. I think that you go, you can go back to when John Jones was fighting. Um, uh, Daniel Cormier and Daniel Cormier said some things that have held true today because remember John Jones was, was, was going on this, 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 this tour of like, I've hit rock bottom. I'm only going to be up from here. I'm never going to make the same mistake again. And Daniel Cormier says, this isn't a mistake. Don't let John Jones tell you that he is going to be better. This guy is not going to change. This is who he is. He says that, you know, you can say it was rock bottom, but there is no rock bottom for you. This is who you are. And I think that time is proving those words from Daniel Cormier to be true. <coughs> yeah, because John can't since keep- then, didn't we have the uh, the bottle of liquor in a car incident and the gun where he was, he yeah, apparently he was pulling over woman. helping somebody? So no, what? He, isn't that, I think after that was the pregnant woman that he hit and he had the gun. Uh, the pregnant woman was first. The, I think just prior to this, the most recent one was, I think he was in Albuquerque or somewhere, and gunshots rang out, and the police pulled up, and he's sitting in the car with a bottle of liquor, some homeless guy, or some some weird situation with a guy on the corner, and there's a gun in the car that's loaded, and I, I think um, the accusation was that the bullets fired or whatever matched the gun in the car. Yeah. So, so... <clears throat> Yeah, John continues to have these different things, and it's sad, you know. Uh, you know, we don't have to, to to quote the the you know the late '90s music group Lit to say that um, John Jones is his own worst enemy. 
So, um, yourself. so, so, but that's not all that was happening at UFC 266. Of course, Dan, the hangman hooker was fighting on that card, fought, um, um, let's see. Uh, he was fighting on the undercard and, um, he was fighting, oh, I just saw it. I can't. The the guy he fought there it is Nasrat Hakparast. He fought Nasrat Hakparast um, on the prelims, um, one in dominant fashion, and um, be a unanimous decision. But that fight almost didn't happen because uh, Dan Hooker couldn't get a visa approval out of his own country, and so this is all culminating in city kickboxing and many fighters from city kickboxing. Planning to move to America because of the mm-hmm. fact that with the lockdown considerations that are happening in New Zealand, basically the government is squeezing city kickboxing and making an example of them as they try to prepare for these UFC fights. While on the other hand, the more prestigious sports like rugby and cricket are getting all of the um the exemptions that allow them to continue to train and to wow. move freely within the country but but these guys at city kickboxing who are some of the greatest fighters in the world can't get uh the exemptions to not only train but to also travel and so at this point uh israel adesanya is like our guys are going to end up losing because we can't travel and we can't train the way that we need to and so israel adesanya announced that he is leaving New Zealand and moving to the United States so that he can continue to train. And that was echoed by Alexander Volkanovsky, who said that he's thinking he may move his, his family to the United States for at least a year um, while they find more suitable training capabilities. And that may also extend to Dan Hooker as well. But Israel Adesanya is the most outspoken in saying, listen, I wanted to headline a fight in New Zealand. I don't ever want to fight in New Zealand anymore. And he says, I don't want, you know, I don't want anything to do with New Zealand. They, you know, he's like, he even called their flag ugly. Uh. And he's like, he's like, you know, and then he added on, he goes, you know what? The Nigerian flag is ugly too. It wasn't even made by a Nigerian. I'm not a flag kind of guy. I'm not going to do the flag thing. But Dan Hooker, every time he comes out, he puts New Zealand on his back. He carries that flag into the, into the ring. And he goes, and guess what? The, the, the officials in New Zealand have, have done nothing but try to stop him from doing what he does best. And that's training, and that's fine. So, you know, he says four walls and a roof don't make a martial arts gym. The people who toil day in and day out make it what it is. So wherever those four walls and a roof is located, it will still be city kickboxing. I think city kickboxing is going to make a wholesale move to the United States. Um, so they can continue training, uh, which, if that's the case, may they come to Dallas? Yes, come to Dallas. Come to Dallas. Come to Dallas. Please do. <laughs> you know, as much as start, we talk smack, me, like... <laughs> look, <laughs> let me hit up Kamara and be like, tell, 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 tell the brethren to bring himself to Dallas. Come on, man. Yeah, I mean, that would be awesome to have City Kickboxing in Dallas. I think that they would kill. That It would be amazing to have those guys here. Heck, I, I'd, I'd, I'd learn to I'd, I'd learn to speak a little Kiwi. I mean, it's English at the end of the day, right? 
Um, speaking of English speaking, uh, Leon Edwards says he thinks the UFC is trying to get him beat. Mm. He's like, what makes him feel like that? He says, he says the UFC is trying to get me to get me beat, but I can't lose. He says he's basically on a, uh, he's looking at his status in the UFC and he's like, look, I'm on a non fight win streak and y'all want me to fight below Muhammad. He goes, yes, there was a bad eye poke, but y'all want me to go back and fight this dude again. He's like, I'm on a non-fight win streak. I'm at the top of the division. Y'all should be looking at me to have a title shot, and y'all are trying to get me to rematch Bilal Muhammad. He goes, why? He goes, it's been six years since my last loss. Colby got beat by the champion. He fought Woodley. The fight ended by injury, and that's something that we forget. We keep saying Colby Covington beat beat uh, Tyron Woodley, and frankly, he was in the process of beating him. But the fact is, is that Tyron Woodley Got it. Got his rib broken or whatever, and that's why the fight was ended. That's it. Mm-hmm. It wasn't because because Colby Covington won on the cards or finished Tyron Woodley. It, it was an injury. Um, and and let me just say, I'm not taking anything from Colby Covington. Colby Covington was winning the fight. Colby Covington is a great fighter. Um, so I think he was gonna win. But the fact is, is that um, now Colby Covington is back in a rematch with Kamaru Usman. And you have Leon Edwards who's sitting here and he's not even in the conversation. You know, he accepted a fight with Nick Diaz and then he almost got beat in the last minute. And so he, his thought was as soon as he left the octagon, he's like, dang it. Yeah. They're going to use that as an excuse yeah. not to give me a title shot. So, so we, we start looking at this because of the fact that Every time we look at why Leon Edwards is not in the title shot conversation, we keep putting obstacles in the way. Gotta win one more. He needs to, you know, he almost got beat by Nate Diaz. Leon Edwards was killing Nate Diaz. It was a clinic. One mm-hmm. shot does not a defeat make. You can't just say, oh, he, he landed one good shot. And so now Leon Edwards is not worthy of a title shot. Like, come on. I think he's got. I think he's got a, a fair grievance. Oh, more than fair. I mean, the last fight. I told you, he made me a fan with that DS fight. He put on a clinic. He put on a striking show. Well, you know who's getting ready to put on a striking show? Rod Tang. Rod Tang. Rod Tang versus Demetrius <laughs> Mighty Mouse Johnson. Might too, man. You know, DJ is such a, a a smooth operator, man. You can't sleep on DJ striking. We so, just, so, we, he. He's so versatile, we don't get to really see him at the peak of his striking. This is true. And so he says he's having fun and enjoying his journey. Of course, he lost the featherweight title shot um, earlier this year. And let's face it, uh, featherweight at 1FC is actually bantamweight. He's not fighting at 125. He's fighting at 130, which is, which is heavier. He says it's easier for him to make. But we know that, you know, that D- Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson is, is almost invincible at 125. Um, mm-hmm. and so he says after that, he's won, he's defended his title like 13 times. You know, he's won the, the featherweight Grand Prix, did all this stuff. What is there really left for him to do? So he's trying out these new interesting fights just, just to see what, what, just experience martial arts in new way. And I respect that. But do you have to start with Rod Tang? Is that where you, is that really? A guy that's got <laughs> 400 fights and he's only like, what, 24? Like, this is the guy you want to start with. You know, let's, 
Let's let's be like Valentina Shevchenko. Let's start with level one and work our way up. <laughs> you sound like you're fearful for Mighty Mouse, man. Man, I'm scared. Now the only the only only saving grace in in the whole Mighty Mouse, Demetrius Johnson, and and Rod Tang fight is that it's a mixed rules fight. So if Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson can make it out of the first round, which is strictly kickboxing, then it's an MMA fight, and I think Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson could win that. But he's got to make it out of the first round. So what would you do? Mm. Only the well, first round is under Muay Thai rules. Are are they alternating rounds? They're alternating rounds, so first and third. But I don't think it's going to go past the second. So so my my question is is wouldn't you just kind of try to stay off of him, not try to try to engage too much, just so you can make it to the second round? No, I think because it is a striking match, I don't I don't think Rotten is likely to knock him out in the first round. So. I think it is an opportunity for DJ to get some work and see where, you know, to test his skills and see where he stands up against such a decorated striker. So, so Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson said, I know he's going to come out guns a blazing. You know, your boy is going to come out guns a blazing. So they're both gonna, planning on, on coming out starting fast. He said, now there is a strategic way I'm going about it, but maybe I should avoid him in the first round. He goes, no, I'm going to test my skills. So we're going to see, well, we're going to see it. No, we're not. Because number one, if you know anything about Muay Thai, Rateng is a very slow starter. Um, most most real true Muay Thai fighters are. First couple of rounds are, are like warm-up rounds for Muay Thai. So he, he tends to pick up the pace in the fourth and fifth round. That's what, what really happens. So. But but I don't think he's got that luxury. So if he fights He doesn't, the way but that, that doesn't mean he, that's, that's the way he fights, though. He, he's, you know what I'm saying? It's like, you remember what I told you? I always tell you. As a striker myself, I like to come out wet. I want to feel like I've had two or three rounds in the back by the time I start my first round. It's it's different, man. So we got Bruce. We got Bruce in the in the. He's saying that nobody cared about DJ anyway. Nobody bought his pay per views. He's pretty relevant at this point. You know what? Let just just for my own personal. Let, let's not say nobody. Let's say few people because I ride or I'm ride or die for Demetrius Johnson. I, you know, I bought his pay-per-views. I was there. I've been hype. I've been on the hype train for Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson forever. Is he less relevant because he's not in the UFC? Yes, he is. You know, I would love to see him come back to the UFC and fight Brandon Moreno and fight Davidson Figueroa. Fight those guys because the fact is, I think that he could, he could still take those guys. Um, but at the end of the day, he's in one. He's at the end of his career. I don't think he's got a lot of fire left in him. I think this is one of those fights just to see if he can if he can muster up the the fire to keep caring about this sport. I, I personally, this is what I what I think. Um, but John Keyes says that hold up, Rod Tang apparently has the Rona. So yeah, well, we're gonna, they've just moved the fight. I th- I thought we were we had already gone over that. They just moved it. So 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 yeah, this fight's still gonna happen. The Ro- Rona be dang right. Um, but I think that if Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson can get it to the second round, then he takes this fight to the ground, and I think he chokes out Rob Tang or perhaps not. So, um, so speaking of of of, of submitting somebody, I think it's time to get to, you know, how uh the Daily Show has their Zen moment of the day. <laughs> 
The you know how moment, the, uh, what, what, what's that show that has the donkey moment of the day or the donkey? Oh, that's the that, you know that's the uh, you know the show with uh, the Breakfast uh, Charlotte the Breakfast Club with Charlamagne the God. Yeah, donkey of the uh-huh. day. Yeah, donkey so, of the day. So so my, my Zen moment my Zen moment of the day was watching Dylan Dennis get choked out by a bouncer, mm. which happened last week. Uh, Dylan Dennis got choked out. Uh, he was basically causing a ruckus and. I guess they wanted him to leave. He might have taken a swing at a bartender or something. I don't really have all the details on it. All I have is the video of him getting choked out in rear naked choke style um, by, by a, a, a bouncer laying on the ground and people just walking back and forth, just watching. It, like some people are walking back and forth like it's not even happening. And other people are just standing there watching as, as, as Dylan Dennis is sitting there trying to tap out and the guy is like not letting go. And so by the time the police actually get there, Dude is unconscious. And it's on film. And it's on film. Uh, if you haven't seen it, um, if you, George, haven't seen it, it's, uh, there's a link to the video on line 31 of the run sheet. Um, okay. But it's also on YouTube. Just search YouTube for Dylan Dennis gets arrested, and you can watch Dylan Dennis in all his uh, glory uh, get choked out. Oh, um, and he went to jail? Oh, I know there are some individuals that are quite happy to hear this. I, I'm surprised we haven't seen more internet memes going on this. It, it's it's definitely coming. Wait till uh, the know, uh, wait wait till the mugshot shows up. <laughs> <laughs> Remember um, how they did John Jones mugshot? <laughs> we, we, we about yeah. to see it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I want to see think, what what Kevin Trailblazer is going to say about this. <laughs> oh yeah, I I think that the best thing that happened to to, to Dylan Dennis is that John Jones got arrested. Yeah, it probably took because, some of the heat off. Yeah, it took the heat off. But the um, so the bouncer who choked out Dylan Dennis also received is also starting to train Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu with Tom DeBlas, and he just got offered tickets to ADCC, which is a which is one of the elite um uh, grappling and Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu um uh, promotions. And Gordon Ryan, who is one of their champions, is the one offering the tickets to the bouncer. Who choked out Dylan Dennis? So, you know, Dylan Dennis, in whatever it is, the persona that he's trying to bring to the to the uh, to to the MMA world is not one that people eat, really care about, that people like, and so people are enjoying seeing Dylan Dennis uh, get his what fours, if you will. Take an L. <clears throat> has he actually fought in MMA yet? He he has. He, he fights in Bellator. But he's been fighting tomato kings. And so he's come out looking looking like a, a world beater, but it's not against people that can actually, you know, that are actually contenders. And so I think he's he's still single digit wins in MMA. So it's like, you know, but he's talking like he's like he's uh fighting for the belt or that he's been holding the belt. Like this dude talks a lot of smack and he doesn't have the numbers, the experience, and the wins to match it up. So mm. um and and so to, for him to take this L against some random bouncer at a New Jersey nightclub is is just so karma. <laughs> and, and and speaking of taking L, you know who took an L on this weekend? <laughs> I love your segues, man. You you rocking it tonight? Come on, let's get it. Anthony Joshua lost the WBA, IBF, and WBO heavyweight titles to Alexander Usyk. Dude, how dude, that, did that happen? You know, basically, they said that Alexander Usyk just outworked out Anthony Joshua. 
was was everywhere and nowhere at the same time. That's okay. that, yeah. that that this fight this fight was um almost ended uh in the third and the seventh. Um and and you know Joshua was able to, to get it to a decision, but you know, Usyk was almost never in danger from from Anthony Joshua. Now, this is the second time in two years that Anthony Joshua has has given up the the, the title. And the cha- the hard part is is that what we as boxing fans, and I say that loosely when I say we, um, want to see is the fight to unify the belts. And so you've got right now Tyson Fury holding the uh, the WBC belt, um, and and all the other ones with Anthony Joshua. And so all Anthony Joshua had to do was win this fight. And we and, and of course Tyson Fury has to beat Deontay Wilder again, but I think that that's kind of that that's kind of a given. Um it, and we would finally get to see Tyson Fury versus Anthony Joshua for the undisputed, you know, unanimous heavyweight title of the world. Like it's been it, it, it doesn't happen very often that we get to see someone hold all the belts. And now, you know, to, to quote the great Homestar Runner, thank you for adding another step to our boxing process. Because <laughs> now Anthony Joshua has to get a rematch with Alexander Usyk. If he wins that, we might end up seeing yet another rematch for a trilogy. And so, you know, if, if Tyson Fury loses to Deontay Wilder, we might see another fight between the two. Like, I, this is one of the reasons so- why I don't like boxing. Which belts were on the line in this fight, or were all three of them on the line? All three were on the line. So WBA, IBF, and WBA. Um, mm. And so now you've got a new new, new champion in Alexander uh, Usyk. But all right, we're gonna see a rematch. So we may not see Tyson Fury uh, Joshua till twenty twenty two or twenty twenty three. If 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 uh, if Joshua can get his his uh, his belts back. Mm. So we'll have to see, but yeah, Usyk was everywhere and nowhere at the same time. If I was a uh, Fury, I'd be uh, fishing for that that fight with Usyk. Well, you know, it, all of these contracts have rematch clauses and things like that, right? That's why they couldn't get the Tyson Fury Anthony Joshua fight earlier because of the rematch clause that Deontay Wilder was able to execute. on. So it, it it you know all of these things don't matter because then you start getting into the well are they did did Anthony Joshua actually do it or did lose or did are they just vying for more money you know it, it's all of that dark seedy underhanded stuff that tends to follow boxing right um and so we don't know but all we do know is that there's a rematch coming it, it, we'll see what happens but if Anthony Joshua wins there may be another rematch fight. And then we'll, we'll finally get to resolve that. And if so, if Tyson Fury wins, then maybe we'll finally get it in 2023. Who knows? Who knows? Um, but since we're talking about boxing, we might as well talk about Canelo Alvarez and Caleb Plant at the news conference where uh, Caleb Plant was talking some mad smack to Canelo Alvarez and must have been doing it in Spanish because Canelo Alvarez understood every single word and was like, no, you will not talk to me this way. And he pushes <laughs> Caleb Plant. Dude pushes Caleb Plant so hard that the dude almost fell off of a 40-foot 
stage. Like that dude mm-hmm. went flying. And at that point, if you get pushed by your opponent and you almost get knocked off the other side of the stage, you probably shouldn't run up and throw a punch. But that's what he did. He ran up and threw a punch at Canelo Alvarez. Canelo dodged it very easily and then threw a boom, boom. Uh, I think uh, John Keyes would call it skibbity pops and, <laughs> and, and, and caught Caleb Plant with, with, with two quick shots. Rumor has it that he got cut. Mm-hmm. Canelo cut him. Um, and so it, it, it's one of those things where maybe, Caleb, if you already getting beat at the press conference, you don't want to put the gloves on. Maybe you should just be like, um, I just needed a sample. I just needed a taste. The, the preview is all I needed that I don't need to watch this film. I don't want to see was how it, this plays out. Was it you that put in the group uh, chat message the other day that uh, he who flinches first, but not in this case? Yeah, yeah, because John Keyes is always like, he who flinches first loses. Well, guess what? Canelo, quote, flinched by pushing Caleb Plant, and Caleb plant ended up walking away looking like he got beat up so <laughs> i don't think Kay- I, I i think canelo is 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 going bushido on this this ain't samurai code this is straight up bushido he's a ronin and don't just don't mess with him mm. all, right. all right anything else let's get to our final our, our final segment of the day and that is the fight card All right, this is the fight card. This is where we look at the fights coming up this weekend. UFC Vegas 38, Santos versus Walker, Saturday, October 2nd, 2021, Apex Arena in Las Vegas, Nevada. And of course, that is Tiago Santos, Najeta versus Johnny Walker. Keep walking. You know, the guy <laughs> named after a liquor brand. Uh, there are like six fights on the card, but I, I did want to get uh, Kyle Dawkins versus Kevin Holland. Of course, Kevin Holland is a hometown hero for us here in the DFW area. And so, um, you know, want to send a shout out to Kevin Holland. Of course, we're picking Kevin Holland, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So we're definitely picking him in that fight. But we've also got Gitano Pirello versus D- D- Douglas Silva de Adrage. Uh, we've got uh, Fernando Padilla versus Sean Soriano. We've got Grant Dawson versus Diego Ferreira. Um, Jared Gordon versus Joe Solecki. Betch Kahea is back. I thought she got cut. I thought she got cut from the I, UFC. I didn't know that. <clears throat> but she is definitely back in the co uh, in, in the co main event of the evening. Betch Kahea versus Carol Rosa, and then in the main event of the evening, you got Tiago Santos versus Johnny Walker. We're gonna go ahead and just pick the the main event of the evening. Tiago Santos versus Johnny Walker. Who do you got? I think I'm gonna go with Tiago, man. All right. Um, you know, uh, to a, you, you do have some liquid in your in your in 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 your in your glass, do you not? No, there's not liquor in there. No, I said liquid, liquid. You have some liquid. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, I, I do. Okay, maybe a little bit. Yeah. So, so are you going with Tiago Santos because he has a black belt? In Muay Thai. Anyway, I'd like to make a pick on the Betch Kohea fight and the Carol Rosa fight as well. Okay. All right. <laughs> I like how you tried to go there. 
Well, you know, you know, it, drinking game says when I when we bring up black belt in in uh, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, I mean black. Uh, sorry, black belt in Muay Thai. Uh, yeah, you got to take a drink. You know what? I'm gonna go find a black belt to hang on my wall and put Muay Thai on it. <laughs> so, who you got? Betchkehaya versus Carol Rosa. Who you got? I'm gonna roll with Carol Rosa, man. All right. And All right. I, I think you already said we we got Kevin in the uh, in that first one. Yep, we're, we're gonna go. We got another that. hometown guy on the card, uh, Diego Ferreira. Ferreira. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm familiar he's, with he's him. out of he's out of Fortis. Okay, all right. Um, well, let's go ahead and pick him too. We'll pick Diego Ferreira too. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, he's been fighting fighting often. So you know what? Just so that I can switch it up on you, I'm I'm gonna take Betchka here. All right. Uh, Johnny Walker, I, you know, we haven't seen him in a long time, so I don't know where he is from his game. Uh, of course, he came on the scene and, 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 and took out Khalil Roundtree with a big old Muay Thai elbow. We talked about the plum clinch and everything and how you can use it to throw those knees or throw those elbows. We did a whole special on it. Um, and so if Johnny Walker can fight like that against Tiago Santos, I think you're, you're going to see a great fight. But Tiago Santos just seems to be, uh, you know, just that guy. Right. So I'm going with Tiago Santos as well. And we'll see how that plays out. You good? Got it. All right. Follow us on social media on Instagram. I'm at Combat Sports Talk. I am at Dark Side underscore Muay Thai underscore. All right. And if you want to follow John Keys and look at his magnificent uh, transformation in, in, in body weight, uh, you can follow John Keys at Keys to Victory. That's Keys with an ES on the end. You can find us on our website at www.combatsportstalk.com, and we are on all of your favorite podcasting platforms. Uh, you know, and there you go. Those are all the links down there below. Um, I want to send a shout out to MMA Junkie, MMA Fighting, MMA Mania, Bloody Elbow, and the Intelligent Defense Discussion Group. That is where we start our conversations on Facebook, Intelligent Defense, and that is the shirt that George Stallworth is wearing right now. Look at that. Boom. You can get that on Amazon. Um, <laughs> and, and so uh, we want to send a shout out to all the other sites that are helping provide stories that we use on the show. And so on behalf of El Papi Wancho, George Giovanni Stallworth, <laughs> my name is Ryan Smith reminding you to keep your hands up, your chin tucked, and throw bombs. We'll catch you next time.